looking at these last few lines. Who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her beloved? I awakened you under the apple tree, there where your mother conceived you, there where she who gave birth to you conceived you. Set me like a seal on your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy relentless as Sheol. The flash of it is a flash of fire, a flame of Yahweh himself. Love no flood can quench, no torrents drown. And so one question I have right from the, the beginning, um, and actually I've had this question for, for a while, is an after season happening here on earth or is this the golden after season that awaits us at the eternal wedding feast in heaven so just keep that question in mind as we go through because i think after you know spending the last couple of days really um praying into these these verses and reading this section of the cantata over and over again what came to my mind is that the fulfillment of these verses is in heaven, but we get foretaste. He gifts us with foretaste of this golden after season here and now. But the fullness of it, the consummation of it is not to, till heaven. So not only does it give us a beautiful um, description of what we can hope for in this life, this oneness and spiritual marriage with the bridegroom, but it also gives us a beautiful image to hold on to when times are rough, <laughs> to remember that this is what is awaiting us. This is what is awaiting us. So we'll start with this first line. This is the chorus. It says, who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her beloved? The first thing that um, goes through my mind when I think about this is I think about where we begin one of the verses that we begin brides one with Hosea 2:14, and I shall allure her and lead her into the desert and there I will speak tenderly to her heart and so if we allow the bridegroom at the beginning of the song to lead us into that desert alone with him and allow him to heal us and transform us then we come back up out of the desert, leaning only on him. All the false loves are gone. All the old unhealthy coping mechanisms and things that we used to have to do to get by, we don't need them anymore. We have Jesus now and we're leaning on him. And in some translations, it says, coming up from the desert, leaning on the heart of her beloved. And she's not recognizable. This is her maiden friends, the daughters of Jerusalem who are saying, who is this? Who is this coming up from the desert? Because what does he do is he's healing us and loving us into full bloom. He's making us new again and again. And it makes me think of Jesus after the resurrection. And he wasn't recognized. Even those who knew him and loved him best did not recognize him at first. And so this is the transformation that he wants to, to perform in each one of us so that we are unrecognizable, maybe not to others, but in a sense, I know there's times when I think, gosh, I don't even recognize myself anymore. You've done something in me again. 
you know, and maybe it's not necessarily a physical not recognizing myself, but it's being in like the same situation where maybe I would have reacted one way in the past and all of a sudden something new comes out of me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you made me new again. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was happening, but you transformed me. You healed something and made me new again. And his mercies are new every morning. Like we can wake up every day and say, what adventure, what new adventure are we going on today? Even if it's just in your own heart, doesn't necessarily mean you have to physically go anywhere, but boy, he will take us on adventures if we ask him to. <laughs> the other thing that um, went through my mind was also thinking about the golden after season as heaven. And so when he says, when the chorus says, who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on the heart of her beloved, I can see the bridegroom when he comes to take a soul at the moment of their death, when he comes to receive his bride and takes her, passes that passing from earth, from the land of exile to the garden, to the garden of heaven and all of the souls there in heaven saying, who is this? Who is this? Who is your beloved Jesus? You could imagine the souls, the saints, and the angels all saying to Jesus, who is this coming up from the desert, up from the land of exile, from the fallen world, leaning on the heart of her beloved? That's how I want to leave this life, <laughs> leaning on the heart of Jesus as he carries me to the eternal wedding feast. And then on um, Holy Saturday, he gave me a beautiful vision of the, another meaning of these lines. And he said, who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on their beloved? And he showed me an image of him going into hell and scooping up Adam and Eve, one in each arm, and carrying them up to heaven, redeemed, redeemed. Again, you can imagine the blessed in heaven seeing Jesus on Holy Saturday as he brought Adam and Eve and the souls of the righteous, the patriarchs and the prophets, making trip after trip, carrying them all up to heaven, up from the desert, worse than the desert, right? Up from Hades into heaven and the souls of all the blessed standing there, watching, cheering and singing and praising him. And then I thought, Okay, so this tells us a lot about the interpretation of this line. If we're thinking of the golden after season as our exiting this land of exile completely and going to the eternal wedding, right? But what also could it mean for us now here today? And one of the things that I thought about was when I was reading this paragraph right here in the middle of page 339, she appears as a bride softly surrendering to her husband leaning on him, united and identified with him in the unity of the couple. Thus is she seen. Who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her beloved? One of the ideas that came to my mind with this line, who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her beloved, and the idea that she's not recognized, and then in this paragraph here where Father Blaze is talking about that it's not only the bridegroom who's seen and the bride who is seen, but now they're seen as the sacred couple. And I thought about spousal love 
and I thought about marriage and I thought about how in marriage, you hear it talked about sometimes in that it's the, the union of two individual persons that creates a new entity, like a new being, this love of theirs, that's the intersection, the union of two people is like its own new creature. <laughs> and if you think about the bridegroom and the way that he loves us with this spousal love, and like we've talked about throughout the whole time that he wants to share his heart with us. And he dwells in this mysterious inner depths of our heart. So it's like the mystery of my heart joining to the mystery of his heart. And that creates a whole new mystery, the mystery of who I am and who he is when we are joined together, when we are one. This oneness, this union is its own separate mystery. And so this is to me, could be also an interpretation of this line. The reason they are not recognized as they come up from this time alone in the desert is that they are so one now that they're not recognizable as individuals, right? It's this new, this sacred couple, as Father Blaise says, that the chorus is saying, who is this? And it reminded me of um, what we were talking about in Brides 2 today, we were talking about the rarest fruits and the rarest essences. And how is it that the bridegroom can say over and over again that what the bride offers to him is rare? When we've talked about that, what we have to offer him, the place of his rest and delight is amongst those lilies of virtues blooming in our hearts. And the virtues are the virtues, right? And in the section of, of the song that we were in in Brides 2 about I, my beloved is a garden enclosed, we're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's growing in our gardens. And the fruits of the Spirit are the fruit of the Spirit. They're the same for everyone. So what is so rare? <laughs> and so it was just exactly this point that what is rare is each of our hearts and the way that those virtues are manifested in us the way that we bring the love of Christ and the fruit of the Holy Spirit into the world is unique and rare and priceless from each one of us. This union of Jesus's heart and my heart is not like the union of Jesus's heart and Tina's heart or Cindy's heart, right? Each heart is unique and therefore his union with each one of us is unique. And so, yes, she's becoming more and more an icon of the bridegroom. She's resembling him more and more, but in her own unique way. She's her own unique image of Christ. She brings his love into the world in a way that no one else can. And that's what we're each called to, to use the gifts that are unique to us to bring that same love, the love of Christ into this time, this place, but in our own unique way. I was thinking about it as that, what is most personal with the bridegroom is also the most universal, that he loves each and every soul with the same perfect, pure, unconditional, merciful love. And yet each and every soul is his bride and his one and only, his dove who is unique and perfect. So at the same time that we are each his bride, we are also each his one and only love because of our own uniqueness, because of the way that he creates us 
like no one else.